Thanks for joining us for another inspiring message from Elevate Church in Perth, Australia. For more information about Elevate Church or to contact us, head to our website, elevatechurch.me and take us wherever you go by downloading our Elevate Church AU app, available wherever you download your apps. This is the third week of four weeks in a series we've called Things Jesus Never Said. There is something Jesus did say. Well, there's a lot of things that Jesus did say. And in fact, in some versions of the Bible, I mentioned this last week, they're written in red. So it kind of makes it easy for us. Is that something Jesus said? If it's in red, it's what Jesus said in some versions of the Bible. One of the lessons he taught was about, and it actually came with a promise, is that we can be people, if we choose to build our lives on the things that Jesus did say, that he compares that with building a house on solid rock. And that in building a house on solid rock, that when the storms, when the storms of life come, that house will not be blown away. And it, to, make, it, to emphasize the point, Jesus contrasted the approach of building our lives on things that Jesus didn't say. And he uses the metaphor that if we choose to build our lives on things that he didn't say, it's like building our house on shifting sand. And if you choose to build, choose to build your life on shifting sand, then when, when the storms of life come, that house will be destroyed. So we have a choice. One of the things that makes it easy for us to choose or, or, or helpful in the choice is actually, first of all, find out what Jesus did and didn't say. And sometimes in the way we're t- kind of approaching this series is just contrasting. You know, it's like a teaching approach. Look at this, sounds Jesus-y, but it's not something he actually said. Let me give you some examples of things that, that sound Jesus-y, but they're really not uh, things that Jesus said. Pop this one up. Whoever does the will of my Father will always get the best parking spots. If you lose your life for my sake, you'll always look good in your bathers. Seek first the kingdom of God and you'll never get a cold sore on the day of your job interview. Now, look, in case you missed it, people, this is fake news, all right? So is the fourth one. But actually, I'd like to think the fourth one is the least obvious of these. This, in fact, sounds the most Jesus-y. Jesus, we probably can know that he didn't talk so much about parking spots. It was kind of donkeys and mules back then. Uh, good in your bathers, not sure, and job interview, not so much. But, but this fourth one, right, if you didn't know any better, or maybe you're thinking, oh, really? Jesus? This fourth one is also fake news, but... Have another look. It sounds pretty Jesus-y. Because it sounds to me this one is the most plausible. For example, why wouldn't it sound right? I mean, it sounds good, but it, it, wouldn't it sound right that if you choose to follow Jesus, you'll never get sick? <coughs> you'll never lose your job. You'll never have relational challenges. Your kids will do everything you say, when you say it, and how you say it, exactly as requested. This sounds great. I mean, Jesus said he's come here to give us the good news. This sounds like some pretty sweet news. Problem is, he never said that. 
So let's take a dive into what he actually said about bad days. And the reason why this is so important, there's, there's, there's a phrase, better to have a fence at the top of the hill than an ambulance at the bottom. And the reason I make that, 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 that point is because I know a lot of people who have needed an ambulance when they fell down the hill because they got disillusioned or disappointed because they decided to follow Jesus and then they had a bad day or a bad circumstance or a bad season. And the problem wasn't that they had a bad day. The problem was that somehow they'd got it in their mind that they would never have a bad day if they put their trust in Jesus. And, and, and some of you... <laughs> are in that situation, or you've been rescued from that situation. God found you at the bottom of the hill, and I'm so grateful that he's used Elevate to bring some of you back to him. So today's going to serve as a reminder that you got given the fake news brochure about what you know, cruising the high seas with Jesus looks like. It's all cruise ship, and no, it's not. It's actually quite a lot of battleship. <laughs> And also those of you that yeah, you've never bought into that, this morning I really hope is a reminder. Guys, Jesus did not say we will never have bad days. So if you've got our Bible app, you can open that up, tap the Bible tile, bottom left, and uh, Rochelle's looking at it. Good to see you looking at your Bible, Rochelle. Um, and uh, it's going to take you to something that John records Jesus as having said. Now, this slice of what Jesus said actually came in the last, the last days or the last weeks of his life on earth. And he started talking to his closest followers about his impending death, his impending resurrection, and, and what that kind of meant for them. But understand, they didn't have the Bible to tell them how this story actually went. So they're sitting there, and he's telling, and it just sounded like one big riddle to them. So let's unpack that this morning. Then, this is Jesus talking to his closest followers. Fix this firmly in your minds. You're <laughs> this is the good news guy talking. You're going to be in deep mourning while the godless world throws a party. You'll be sad, very sad. But your sadness will develop into gladness. There's a phrase in there, it's kind of got a word in between breaking it up, but there's a phrase in there, the world. And in this, this, uh, these instructions, this one package of Jesus' instructions, he actually uses that expression, the world, 19 times. Let me drop you into a few of them, and, 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 I'll, and I'll tell you why that matters. He said to them, peace I give to you, but I do not give as the world gives. I came from the Father to the world, and I'm leaving the world and going back to the Father. If the world hates you, remember it hated me first. If you belong to the world, you would love it as your own, but you do not belong to the world. That's why the world hates you. And then he prays a prayer. God, because at this point, I'd be like, well, this world's so bad. Can you just kind of like beam me up, Scotty? <laughs> Because Jesus is about to get beamed up, but they didn't know that. And I'd be thinking, man, this place sounds horrible. And then Jesus prayed a prayer, but God, don't take them out of the world. It's, I've got a typo in my notes, so I'm just making sure it wasn't showing up on the slide there. <laughs> 
though we live in this world, we are not of this world. One of the big ideas that Jesus is trying to get through to his followers and he would want to get through to us is that when we make a decision to follow Jesus, our citizenship changes. Before we made a decision to follow Jesus, we were citizens of the world. And yet when we make a decision to follow Jesus, he says that we're translated from the world into the kingdom that our citizenship changes, and that with our citizenship changing, opportunities change, priorities change. Paul, Paul kind of, later on, he kind of like slapped us around and said, now that you're citizens of the kingdom, flip and live like it. And we're like, okay, hopefully. And so we're not to hate the world because you can't reach people that you hate. You can't reach people that think you hate them. So we're meant to love the world, but not be in the world. We're meant to live here, but not think like people of the world. We're meant to have different priorities, different perspectives, a different lens, different values. We're meant to say some things that the world wouldn't say and shut up about some things that the world's so noisy about. We're meant to love people. You know, people that loved Jesus weren't like him. And he loved people that weren't like him. One of his biggest criticisms by the religious leaders is that he hung out with sinners. But Jesus never, never forgot that he, whilst he left heaven and came into the world, that he was never of the world. That he remained, his citizenship remained in the kingdom. And that allowed him to do some things and say some things and go into places that were considered wrong by religious people, but it's actually, no, this is who God sent me to. And then he uses a metaphor which some of you will require no explanation of. When a woman gives birth, she has a hard time. There's no getting around it. (laughs) But when the baby is born, there is joy in the birth. This new life in the world wipes out memory of the pain. I'm not going to speak firsthand about that. <laughs> but let, me, let, me, let me slice it this way. Don't, don't answer this, but just answer in your mind. Have you ever said or thought or, or had someone say, you know what, this, this words to this effect. If I were God, and then they kind of finish the sentence, they throw some kind of, you know, highly illuminated kind of truthy bomb into the world. If I were God, if I were God, people would never get sick. I mean, if I were God, people would never lose their jobs. I mean, if I were God, people would never have relationship breakdown. If I were God, people would never have uh, financial hardships. And that sounds like love, that if I was God, I'm just all about shot blocking, bad stuff. I'm just gonna play defense, make sure the bad stuff doesn't get into your life. But here's one thing I've observed. Some of the most challenging circumstances and some of the most challenging seasons that have happened in my life, Louis's life, and knowing some of your stories, even in your life, the far side of that, what you've come out of that with, the the wisdom, the strength, the greater character, the greater faith, 
that if we just wrapped you up in cotton wool, if I were God, I would never have let any of that bad stuff happen, then, you would have, then we would have actually robbed you of some opportunities that you can only get by being tested, by facing challenges. And, and so look at this last one. This new life in the world wipes out the memory of the pain. Now, in that case, Jesus was talking about like heaven, whether that comes to earth or we go to it, whichever comes first. That, that is what he was talking about. Yet this same dynamic plays out. And, and so let's, let's play the real. If we didn't, and because God doesn't protect us from all challenges, then take out the word life and swap something in. In your mind, swap something in that you've actually experienced on the far side of challenges that you think that you know. I, this is now a gift. And I would have only gotten this had I come through the pain that I went through. So this new faith wipes out the memory of the pain. This new character wipes out the memory of the pain. This new joy wipes out the memory of the pain. This new strength wipes out the memory of the... There are some things that God allows us. He doesn't cause them all, but he doesn't stop them all. And he can use them all. Understand that. The sadness you have right now, Jesus continued, is similar to that pain. But the coming joy is also similar. In fact, when I see you again, you'll be full of joy. And it will be a joy that no one can rob from you. You'll no longer be so full of questions. Here's another one that I wonder if you've ever said or heard someone say it. It goes something like this. When I get to heaven, I'm going to ask God and then fill in the question. Louis goes, oh, when I get to have my cappuccino with God, I'm like, you didn't even drink cappuccino. Like, but I'm like, you know, and here's the thing. When I get to heaven, I mean, I used to think like if. I'm kind of, I'm a little bit more assured than I used to be. So I'm, I, I kind of think of it's a when. I've come a long way. <laughs> but, but for me, this is, this is me. When I get to heaven... I got two things. This is, when I get to heaven, I got two things that I'm going to say. The first one is this. Wow. And the second one is, ah, I get it now. I get it now. Like it's not going to be a question. It's actually going to be, I don't got no more questions. Huh, God, you've been here all along. You knew what you were doing all along. Nice one. Keep it up. And, and, I, and I'm done. I ain't got no questions. Because we have questions here because we don't see it all. But we can see more than we currently see. Fast forward to verse 33, Jesus went on to say, I've told you all of this so that trusting me, you will be unshakable and assured deeply at peace. In this godless world, there it is again, you will continue to experience difficulties. So not only did Jesus not say you won't have bad days, Jesus 
did say we will have bad days. There's a promise. But take heart. I have conquered the world. And beyond man flu and coughing and spluttering, I know some of you all are currently in very challenging circumstances and seasons. Some of you have health challenges beyond the winter flu. Some of you have relational challenges that, that, that are beyond some other people's understanding. Some of you are going through financial challenges, maybe vocational challenges. And I'm on record as saying this, but I used to say, back when I was young and dumb, I used to say to people in, in, in a church, leave all that at the door. Leave all the bad stuff at the door and come in and experience a slice of heaven for an hour. And then, and, but the problem is then it's like, and then go back out and pick up that same crap that you dumped off and we'll see you next Sunday. <clears throat> so we don't say that anymore. We say bring everything. Bring everything into the house of God. Bring everything to the cross. Bring everything and place it in the hands of Jesus. Because here's the thing. You know, for the hour that we're here gathered together as the church, yeah, some of those challenges, they, they, they are still going to be the same. But what if you're different? What if in this time together in God's house, you came away with a renewed strength, a clearer perspective, some fresh wisdom, maybe it's just some comfort? And if so, then this stuff looks like the stuff that I wouldn't trade for anything, that, that you've brought in your health problems, and as you're worshiping God, God says, you know what? I'll renew your strength on wings as eagles. And even though you're sick right now, that I've got a promise for you that you're going to get through this. And while you're going through it, I'm never going to leave you. I'm not going to forsake you. I'm going to heal you. And it's not great. It's not fun. Nobody wishes this on their worst enemy, but you're not alone in this. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. And you walk out and you still got to go to the doctor this week, but you're going to the doctor now with a fresh perspective, greater strength, some wisdom that you never had. And, and what's more, either a new promise or a renewed promise in those circumstances. So bring it all. Bring it all. And when you do and you focus yourself on Jesus, you can be unshakable, house built on solid rock, and assured deeply at peace because Jesus has conquered the world. Now, I never want to kind of compare one person's struggles with another. It's like, you know, if it's your struggle, it's your struggle, right? But let's suppose I did, which I don't. But let's suppose I did. Back in around the years 60 to 65, AD, like about 30 years after Jesus had left the building, uh, the, the, the emperor of the Roman Empire at the time was a guy named Nero. Nero. It means black. That should be a clue right there. To say this guy hated Christians would be an understatement. For example, Nero, black, like his soul, 
would, would round up Christians or you know, have his people round up Christians, put them into uh, recently slaughtered animal carcasses and sew them up and then release the Christians with the carcasses around them into an arena full of wild dogs. And uh, he would have, Nero would host parties and he would round up some Christians and for the entertainment of his guests, he would coat them in wax tie them to trees in the courtyard and then light them on fire and so they would be illuminate the party that he was having with his guests and while the screams are being yelled from the people burning alive who professed a faith in Jesus. And it was actually into this cultural moment and situation that Peter wrote this. Because what I'm going to read to you is like, oh, yeah. But understand that, what I just explained, or at least give us some kind of a slice of that. This is what Peter wrote into that situation. Because Jesus was raised from the dead, we've been given a brand new life and have everything to live for, including a future in heaven. And that future starts now. God is keeping careful watch over us and the future. And the day is coming when you'll have it all. Life healed and whole. I know how great this makes you feel, even though you have to put up with every kind of aggravation in the meantime. Pure gold put in the fire comes out of it proved pure. Genuine faith put through this suffering comes out proved genuine. I like to say it this way. A faith that's been tested can be trusted. <clears throat> See, when you first rolled into Elevate Church, whether that was recent weeks or recent years, you walked in, maybe grabbed a coffee, whatever, and you walked into one of these chairs and you just sat down. Do you understand that was an act of faith? You assumed that chair was going to hold up. You assumed this wasn't going to be funny for the rest of us to watch you sit on a chair and that chair just go, <laughs> and you along with it. And the reason you did that with such Assurance is because you weren't putting your faith in the chair. You were putting your faith in the fact that that chair has been tested. That, that before these were released, during the design process, during the creation process, that somebody took the time to test them. To test them. And so that when you came along, your faith wasn't in the chair. Your faith was in the testing. The a faith that's been tested can be trusted. Well, Peter takes, he kind of just really drills into this. He talks about like gold being put in a fire when it comes out. It's only, only then that we know it's actually proven to be pure gold. And in the same way, a faith that's been tested in the fire, that's the only way we're going to know that the faith is actually real and not gold-plated. See, because you could turn up with something, especially back then. They didn't have like the, the, the guy, the bald guy from Porn Stars looking through his little... No, you just roll in somewhere and you'd say to, to the valuer, hey, this thing is gold. And he's going to look at it and, 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 and the only way to give you a valuation, to give you some authenticity around that very thing that you've handed over that you've assured them is 100% pure gold is to actually put it in the fire, melt it down. And by melting it down in the fire, 
they can then test and determine whether or not that's pure gold. And Peter uses that exact same metaphor for us. And here's what I want to establish. My, geez, I, I would... I, I was reluctant to rank things. One of my, if not my highest, one of my highest concerns as the senior leader here of Elevate Church is that we would settle for becoming gold-plated Christians. That at the surface look exactly like people who have a real faith. And so, you know, you can be gold-plated for an hour on a Sunday. Raise your hand, maybe two. Sing all the right words, you know. I mean, it's like, you know, Christian karaoke. We can, we can kind of follow along and listen and, you know, oh, yeah, I've got the Bible app open, but it's not. It's Instagram, but no one knows that. That's why you sit on your own in the corner so no one can really. And you could do all that. And then you can go out of here, and at the sign of the first test, just crumble. And I didn't say that as a criticism. I, and I didn't even say that as saying I'm thinking of someone right now <laughs> who I think is gold-plated. <laughs> is he talking about me? No, no, I'm not talking about anybody. In fact, I'm talking about everybody. Let's not even allow ourselves to entertain that for a second, that gold-plated is the same as real faith. But here's the deal. <clears throat> there's only one way to find out and that's to put you in the fire and God does that he puts us in the fire so this whole thing if I was God I'd never let anything bad happen no you get to be tested and the great thing is coming out of the test you can come out stronger you can come but you actually demonstrate even to yourself man wow actually, my faith's real. And it worked. Who knew? Well, yeah, maybe you didn't know, but now that you've had the opportunity to have your faith tested, your faith can be trusted. And that's great for us, but the fun doesn't stop there. Because these tests aren't just for us. Us growing in our faith isn't just for us. Us having a proven faith isn't just for us. That actually Jesus takes it and our tests prepare us for purpose. The tests aren't just about what God wants to do in you. They position us for what God wants to do through you. About 10 years ago, I was uh, riding my push bike uh, along uh, a two-lane road. I was on the inside of the two lanes in, in, a, in a bike lane, riding along, riding along, and uh, no, no earbuds, so I was attentive, all that good stuff. And... Uh, and somebody turned from the opposite two lanes into through the little gap in the traffic to go down a side street, and I hit that thing, and I went in, into instant Superman mode without the cape. And uh, I, I landed. I started on the far side of the side road coming in. That's where my bike hit the side of the car, and my head hit the curb on the other side of the two-lane road. So I flew quite a ways, according to onlookers. I don't remember any of it. And um, ambulance came, and it was it was it was not it was not pretty, and my bike was snapped in two, and uh, anyway, never happened before. 
I'm thinking to myself, well, what do I do now? Like, like I don't know what you do now. And so I got on my internet machine and I asked bike shop near me, figuring, well, at least I could, I mean, they weren't going to trade my bike, obviously, but, you know, maybe I can find a cheap replacement and put a down pot. I don't know. I don't know. I know what you do. And I walked in there and I met the owner. The owner was a good Italian boy. I'm like, che bello. This is a beautiful moment. And uh, his name's Michele. And uh, Michele, I said to him, you know, he's, I mean, I'm bandaged up and, and it was not pretty. And he, he looked at me with the, with the look of, I've seen this before. <laughs> and in fact, I went on to discover that he's not only seen this before, that he's also been this before. And so he's sharing his story. But here's the thing. He was so cool, and he just said to me, you know, Mark, here's what you need to do now. Here's the business card of my lawyer that we use for bike accidents, which happen far too often. And uh, you just phone him, and he'll take care of all the stuff to do with insurance and getting your compensation and so on and so forth. And uh, then uh, actually, we can, we can actually sell you a bike and you can actually take it now, um, but you can take it now without putting any money down, and, and you can pay us when you get the payout from the insurance claim. And, 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 uh, and, and, oh, and by the way, you obviously need a physio, and you obviously need a chiropractor, and so here's our chiropractor, and here's our physio, and our physio is an ex-professional cyclist, so they understand this. That I, I just stood there. It's like, this is happy days. Because he'd been tested, and he'd come through the test, but that test didn't just position him for the next time he had a crash. The test positioned him for the next guy that had the crash, and the guy after that, and the guy after that. And he can be as cool as cool can be, because he's been there, and he's done that. He can actually be the one that says, been there, done that, but Italians don't say that. Uh, And that could be you. You know, I have some people, as a leader of a church, come to me with stuff that I, and I, they tell me, and I have no, no understanding what they're going through. And, and I appreciate that, that, that if people want to be vulnerable with me, but sometimes I'm like the least qualified guy in the church to help you with that. And in fact, what I typically do, two things I do. I never say I understand what you're going through, ever. That is just a dumb statement, unless you do understand what they're going through, then it's the best thing because then you can share your story. But if I can't, because it's not something I've been through, here's what I do. Who do I know whose faith in that area has been tested and can now be trusted and let me introduce you to them and how about you guys link up, or girls, link up and together, because their test wasn't just for them. Their test is now something God is going to be able to use for you. And I got to tell you, that's where the party really starts. That's where, this, that's where the fulfillment really starts. It's a privilege to play our part in all that God is doing in and through you. To find out what your next step 
could be or to partner with us to reach more and more people by giving financially, head to our website, elevatechurch.me and download our Elevate Church AU app, available wherever you download your apps.